0: Luke chapter 1, and so please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I actually don't know um, what exactly I'll be going over because I did submit all of like the parameters to ChatGPT, and what came out was probably much better than than I would have ever written. I I took the cue from Pastor Frank on Wednesday... And uh, no, I'm just kidding <laughs> didn't do that, Pastor Frank, by the way, and his um the message on psalm twenty three man, just uh I always love listening to him, and um he's such a great teacher, and that's why I knew you you had to just come and then bring people. Because you're going to be blessed by Pastor Frank and his teaching, and uh, so of course, as I as I listened to him, watched him, um, uh, you know, it was just a blessing, you know, to to hear him uh, just walk you through the Word, and um, as it says in Nehemiah, as as the Word was read, and there were those on the ground that would give it the sense, he gave it the sense, and he brought it out, and so. Truly blessed by that. This morning we're going to uh, again continue through the Gospel of Luke. So we're in Luke chapter 1. We're covering uh, verses 57 through 80. 57 through 80. And the title of this morning's message is His Name is John. His name is John. So let's start by reading, beginning in verse 57. what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about Through all the hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what then will this child be For the hand of the Lord was with him father. I ask Lord that you would minister to us this morning. That it would be by the power of your spirit that you teach us all things that pertain to you would give us understanding that the word would become clear to us. Not only understanding it in context, but also knowing how to apply it in a manner that would bring about fruit in our lives. uh, An expression of our love for you. A deepening of of our faith in you. Lord, that you would be blessed, you would be honored. Lord, that when when our lips are loosed, when our mouth is able to utter the things that pertain to the good news of Jesus Christ, that we praise you. And we speak them with clarity, knowing them clearly in our own hearts and Lord, we have the same conviction that Zechariah did in that day. And so, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And we just praise you, Lord. We commit this time to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. So I just want to remind us of a few things as we look kind of back a little bit, as we have learned... Zechariah and Elizabeth were a couple who were advanced in years. We know that Elizabeth was barren. She was not able to have children. They were both described as righteous, walking blamelessly before the Lord. It says in verse 6, blamelessly, that that they walked blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And, And I wanted to make mention of that because... Even with that, and we need to be reminded that in spite of that, even though they had not been able to have children, they did hope and pray for a child. And they did something that was very important. They didn't stop, but they continued to serve the Lord regardless. Regardless of whether the Lord had as we would think, bless them with a child or not. Thinking about that as far as our circumstances are concerned, sometimes it's the smallest things that take us away from serving the Lord. We've prayed, we've begged, we've pleaded with you, Lord. And Lord, you have not come through, and so it's for that reason that I'm going to stop serving you. Is he he not worthy of it all? We sung that. We We should live that out in our own lives, right? And that is exactly what we see in Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it was while Zechariah was serving the Lord that Gabriel, the angel, was sent to tell Zechariah that his prayer had been heard. And his wife would be with child. Now, we don't know how long they had been praying or if they were even continuing to pray for a child because I remind you that the, we know they were described as being a couple that were advanced in years, perhaps beyond childbearing years. When the angel came with the news, we, knew, we know that Zechariah doubted. And because of that, the angel said, you would be mute. Mute. Right until the day that John would be born. Until these things would be fulfilled in their times, it says in verse 20. Well, Elizabeth did become pregnant, just as the angel had told her, and it was time for her to give birth to their son, John. I want to pause for a moment and break down even the name of John. John in the Hebrew is Yohanan, Which is a compound name consisting of two words. Hanan is a verb that means he provides protection. And yo is universally accepted as a form of the name Yahweh. So you put the two together. And john means Yahweh provides protection. Protection. I remind you also that Luke was writing this narrative so that Theophilus, that is, the beloved of God or the lover of God, may have certainty concerning the things that he had been taught. Certainly, we need to be reminded that Yahweh is our protection. He is our everything. He is the I am. There is nothing more important to be certain about than your personal eternal protection. From damnation, knowing that only one who has the authority and power to save you from eternal condemnation is God. There is no one else, and He secured it and offers salvation to all through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross as He shed His blood for you and I. You see, as we know, God fulfilled what he had prophesied. And that is that God provided himself a sacrifice, just as he said, just as he promised. And because Zechariah believed that God's promises are true, they named the baby boy, John, just as God had instructed him to name him. As we will see, Zechariah was not only convinced that God had blessed him and Elizabeth, with a son, but more importantly, he was convinced that their son was set apart by God to fulfill a specific work for him. In verse 17, it says, To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Uh, we see similar acknowledgments of consecration as seen in Hannah in her son Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Jacob with Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50. Manoah and his wife with her son Samson in Judges 13. And even Mordecai and his cousin, Hadassah, better known as Esther, right? Whom he raised, as it is written in Esther chapter 2. It is one thing for a person to acknowledge God. But it's quite another to serve the Lord decisively, purposefully, obediently. And joyfully. Completely devoting oneself to the fulfillment of God's will. In fact, I uh, oftentimes quote 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This is exactly what this means. Not only was Zechariah and Elizabeth walking in the truth, but now they would have a son who would also walk in the truth. And his name was John. So let's take a look at this and how it is that this came about. We begin to see God's faithfulness in the verses that we read in verses 57 through 66. Let's read again the first couple of verses, 57 and 58, which say, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, And they rejoiced with her. The people, as we see here, rejoiced over the birth of John with Elizabeth and with Zechariah. You see, it was a reproach to not have a child, especially in those days. And up to this point, Zechariah and Elizabeth were not able to have a child, but God promised. And it happened just as the Lord promised. At this time, if you consider the people who were rejoicing with him, they they knew nothing about John except that he was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, having been barren for a number of years, she was advanced in years. And so for them, it was a blessing. Oh, enough to just absolutely rejoice and gather around the family and celebrate. Luke 1, 14, if you remember this one verse, the angel said to Zechariah, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So we begin with this acknowledgement. The people were excited. They were celebrating. They were rejoicing. But it was according to what the angel had spoken, a messenger sent by God. To speak these things. To Zechariah. Perhaps. These are the things. That Zechariah thought about. In the moment that they were. Happening. We ought to think the same way. As things happen in our lives. To consider God in his word. and his promises. And rejoice. These are the things that. Bring us strength and comfort in those times of need. To remember God's faithfulness. Well, the people rejoice, and, but next the people wonder. Verse 59, as we continue, says, And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. So they went from rejoicing to wonder now. It was the eighth day, and according to the law of Moses, a boy is to be circumcised on the eighth day. And it was on this day that the people found out that the boy would be called John. John? John? Elizabeth said, John. John? Maybe we heard wrong. <laughs> That's not his father's name. You don't, as far as we know, you don't have any relatives named John. So why, why John? You, you must be mistaken, Elizabeth. Let, let's go to Zechariah and ask him. And they asked. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth already knew, because at this point, they were simply obediently following the word of God, given to them by the angel. Who said, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. It was not up for debate. They understood that this was the very word of God brought to them by this angel. And so for them, they were, they were not doubting. They knew from the very beginning, this boy's name. We, we don't need to go to the doctor to find out the sex. We, we don't need to do any of that. We know it's a boy, and his name shall be called John. It's funny that people were ready to call. this is, This is Junior right here. But Elizabeth quickly spoke up and said, No, he shall be called John. And like I said, the people thought perhaps she was mistaken. And it's funny because it says here that they made signs to Zechariah. Remember, the angel said that Zechariah would be would be mute, not deaf. Right? So he made signs to him. Trying to get all you had to do is speak, right? It's funny when uh, we don't speak the language. You ever been to Mexico and then someone, you know, doesn't understand what you're saying? And you just speak a little louder and perhaps they, they can understand you if you speak a little louder. Where's the bathroom? It's like, it doesn't matter. You can speak louder, but they still can understand you. What can you imagine? Zechariah, it's like, I'm just, I'm mute. It's not... I'm not deaf, but they made signs to him, getting his attention. They asked him, What shall he be called? And without hesitation, Zechariah wrote, His name is John. You see, we uh, need to be reminded that there was a, a time when Zechariah did hesitate, he did doubt. Perhaps this is a reminder for you at some moment to where you already knew God's word. It had been brought to you. But you hesitated. You doubted. Took matters into your own hands. Did things your way. Maybe you didn't become mute. But you came deaf. Became deaf. You, you couldn't hear right. And so therefore... It translated into action that wasn't resembling faithfulness to God. Zechariah had hesitated at first. He had doubted at first when he was brought this word that his wife would be with child. But this time, having a second chance, he responded with confidence, and his response was a statement. It was not a suggestion. He didn't write down a list of names. He, you know, these are some nice names. So what do you think? He didn't do that. It was a statement. It was a confident statement. His name is John. That is what we ought to come to, brothers and sisters, to a, a point in our lives, in our walks with the Lord, that we make statements of faith. That we don't do it with some Question behind those statements or with doubt, but we simply make those statements with complete faith, conviction, knowing that God is true to His Word. Well, God gave Zechariah a second chance to acknowledge God's faithfulness to His Word, and this time he did not fail. What this did in Zechariah is strengthen his faith and confidence in the Lord. And when he spoke, he spoke with certainty in God, not in himself. He didn't even talk about his faith. He just praised God. That's what he did. His testimony was just all praising God. They knew who he was, and they knew what he had experienced for the last nine months. At this point, his mouth was open, his tongue was loosed. He was able to speak, and he just spoke praises. Well, the people, at this point, uh, as he wrote this on the tablet. Even before he spoke, when when he says his name is John, at this point they all wondered. They were all just, you know, just pondering this. But even more so, uh, as we see Zechariah speak after nine months of being mute. Verse 64, it says, And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So they went from rejoicing to wondering to now fearing fear they had been stricken with fear in their hearts fear came upon them they were deeply concerned they were in deep distress you see you see they hadn't heard from god in 400 years and now this was happening They couldn't stop thinking about this whole event, and and they wondered how this child would be used by God because it was obvious to them that the hand of the Lord was with him, as it says in verse 66. In just eight days, John's birth brought the people from rejoicing to wondering to fearing. Because all this was pointing to the Lord and his work of redemption. 400 years. Fear came upon the people. Oh, it's a good thing. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of knowledge. It's when we acknowledge him. Fear overwhelms the person... Who sees God for who he is. It's not only a fear before a holy and righteous God that should drive us to a place of understanding his grace and his mercy demonstrated through Jesus Christ that would drive us to confession and repentance, but it's also that fear of God that strikes reverence deep within our hearts. To desire above all in our lives to express honor and praise. And living rightly before him. Not because we must. Not because it's just what the law states or what the word tells us. But it's, it's because we know him. But it begins with Repentance. And this is what struck the hearts of these people. You see, this was all connected to Jesus, the Son of God who was sent to redeem his people. If you're thinking in a perhaps in a, a worldly way, you would have thought that Zechariah's uh, first words would be to speak about his son. But instead, he was led by the Spirit and the power of the Spirit to speak about the Son of God, who was not even born yet. This is what he prophesied about Jesus. And we continue, and we'll work through verses 67 through 80. Zechariah's prophecy. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... of peace and the child grew and became strong in the spirit in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel I didn't try again. No That was serious she said I didn't get that could you try again <laughs> My goodness All right Verse 68. So we're gonna, we're gonna just run down this. You gotta break it down. We just read through it, but if you just read through that, you think, wow, that, that is truly amazing what he spoke in the spirit, right? He's prophesying. But in verse 68, he first refers refers to Jesus as our Redeemer. Verse 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. This means that Jesus Christ has come to set the captives free, but a Redeemer sets free by paying a price on behalf of the captive, to deliver the captive. And it was clearly understood by the people in that day and as we should come to an understanding that this was speaking as as to Jesus being a redeemer you see it was understood that a a slave or prisoner would have to be set free by someone else they couldn't do it on their own someone else had to pay the price in full to set them free. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, this is speaking of Jesus, and he came to Nazareth where where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled a scroll and found the place where it was written. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I love this. He um, and Jesus went to that specific portion. In Isaiah, and the people were very familiar with the writings of the prophet Isaiah. And when he said that, he was being very clear. This was, he was referring to himself as as the Messiah, as the Redeemer. He was here to set the captives free. And so Zechariah speaks of this fact. He was prophesying according to God's word, in alignment with God's word. Jesus is our Redeemer, is the first statement that he makes. Secondly, in verse 69... It says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. So Jesus is our redeemer. And he also makes a statement, Jesus is our horn of salvation. What does this mean? Well, it means that Jesus Christ is our victor. It speaks of an army that would have otherwise been defeated. If help had not arrived and defeated the enemy for them. Speaks of Jesus, our victor, who has won victoriously over the enemy, sin and death. The enemy has not only been defeated, but also can no longer pose any threat to taking us captive and making us prisoners again. In other words, it's total victory. Total victory in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.55 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Well, we know that we have been victorious in Christ over death and sin. There is no sting. He also, as Zechariah continues, he refers to Jesus as our Savior or as our Keeper. Verses 69 speaks of this horn of salvation, and then verse 71 says that we should be saved from our enemies. He is our keeper. In Christ we shall be kept until the day we are with him forever, for all eternity, when we are in his glory. In John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30, he said, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, pointing to his deity, being equal with God because he was God. Zechariah also looks to Jesus as being God's promise kept. Covenant-honored. An oath observed. Verses 72 and 73 say, To show the mercy God, uh, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. God promised a coming redeemer. Spoken through the prophets. A savior that would come from the Jews through the tribe of Judah through the line of David, and would be born in Bethlehem. God's promise kept. His covenant honored. His oath observed. You know, there is a reason why we are called to personal integrity. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. No. Why? Because it speaks of the character of God. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He spoke, so it is. So with us too, when we give our word, right? When we give our word, we we follow through with it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, come what may. Well, God is an oath keeper, He honors His covenant. Keeps his promises. This is what Zechariah, again, prophesying, spoke. That this is is known in Jesus Christ. In verses 74 and 75, he referred to Jesus as our Lord. In verse 74, it says that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. You see, Jesus did not set the captives free so that they would be set free to do their own will, but to do his will. And in so doing, we enjoy his freedom. Because outside of that, what what ends up happening is we place ourselves in bondage to things outside of the one to whom we Gave our complete lives to, and in whom we enjoy salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. You see, we know victory in Christ, and this should result in two things sanctity and service. And again, I point you to these two verses 74 as it says, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him, number one, without fear. And how? Verse 75 five says, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Service and sanctity. Are you victorious in Christ? Then your life should express itself as a response to the love that you first were demonstrated. By your life being, number one, set apart unto the Lord for service unto him holy and righteous unto him. Zechariah also spoke of Jesus as being our forgiveness or the remission for our sins. It's in verse 76 that he refers to John and he says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. You see, our debt to God is fully paid in Christ. There is no other way. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no way that we could pay for our own sins. It's for this reason that as we confess that Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, says that we shall be saved. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one Savior. And he fully paid for our sins. Jesus sent our debt away by having paid it full on the cross with his shed blood on our behalf. In fact, John... As he is baptizing in the Jordan. When he saw Jesus walking toward him. And John one twenty nine said this. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And finally Zechariah. He prophesied saying Jesus is our day spring. Verse 78 says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to give our feet into the way of peace. You see, God's tender mercies are made known in Jesus Christ. Where there is darkness and death comes light, life, and peace. But only through and by knowing And believing on Jesus Christ. The moment that you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The moment that you completely surrender your life to Christ. And I remember this coming from darkness to light. Understanding the newness of life. A new heart. A new perspective. A new hope. A certain hope. And it was such a beautiful moment for me. That has only gotten better as I as I acknowledge who God is and I acknowledge who my Savior is, and I draw closer to Him, I understand, I understand my sinfulness and His holiness. I understand more His mercy and His grace, His patience, His long suffering. Oh, He is so good. He is our day spring. You see, in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away; behold, the new has come." Have you come to know that kind of transformation—the uh, doing away of the old life and, and the bringing about of a new heart, known in Jesus Christ—in Matthew chapter four, verse thirteen. on them a light has dawned but i mentioned verse 17 as well because this is what jesus preached from that time this is the light from that time jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand oh the moment that you repent you genuinely Confess your sins and repent. Oh, it's amazing. You know Jesus again. In the newness of life. That he indeed is your day spring. At this point, if you consider what Zechariah was prophesying. People were in awe, began by rejoicing, and then they wondered. Fear had fallen upon them. Zechariah was prophesying. They, They knew these things that he prophesied to be true. And Jesus hadn't even been born yet. Zechariah had not even met Jesus personally. And yet, he was singing his praises by his own words and his actions. He was demonstrating a love toward Jesus. Zechariah was rejoicing over Jesus. I bring you back to a simple statement. His name is John. Zechariah wrote this. His name is John. That's what was spoken. I know this to be true. And so it is. You see, Zechariah wrote this because he confidently believed God's word. That's what I pray for, for God's people, for you, for my brothers and sisters. To come to that place of confidently believing God's word. And then expressing that, not just by the way you live, but also stating it, speaking it with confidence, knowing it to be true. You see, you and I know much more about Jesus than Zechariah did in that day. Think about that. So I ask, what's our excuse? Zechariah knew very little. He wasn't even born yet. He didn't know Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He didn't know any of that. What, what the Lord did in his church and through his people, he didn't know any of that. He just knew this. And that was enough. Enough. Do you believe God's word with this certainty? Do you believe the gospel with this certainty? I pray you do. Because by it, you can live a life before the Lord with great confidence, with great hope, with great purpose, and with a great destiny knowing that your place in heaven is already reserved for you. And so this life is simply a response to God's love. There is no question as to your identity because your identity is found in Jesus Christ. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you. And by believing on him, you will have everlasting life. Do you believe God's word? Do you believe Jesus is your savior? And have you confessed Jesus as savior and Lord? Is Jesus your day spring? John 14, six says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation to no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 3.10 None is righteous no not one. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans five Romans 5.8 Says that, but God demonstrates his love toward you, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans ten nine says if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know that with certainty? And I pray, church, that we would express it. Not, if you don't know that this morning, I pray that today be the day of salvation for you. That as we close our eyes and, and we close in prayer, that, that you would simply confess those sins to the Lord and, and repent of those sins and ask Him to be your Lord and your Savior. And as we read through this, everyone has to go the same route. These again, none is righteous, no, not one. You have to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior to know salvation because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. My hope is that you would take the time, confess to him, repent, and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And for the church... Let us be strengthened in the faithfulness of God's word, knowing that he is true. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. And I do ask, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, Father, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today be the day of salvation. Lord, that they cry out to you. Lord Zechariah doubted your word. And in that moment he was serving you. He was considered to be blameless in your eyes. He was considered righteous before you. Even serving you. And yet even he. Doubted when you sent word to him. Perhaps some of us need to repent. Of that doubt. Lord we're filled with anxiety and worry and. Lord, these thoughts are allowed to toss and turn in our own hearts and minds that are not true. Perhaps even like Zechariah, we could doubt your word and its effectiveness, and yet your word is true. So Lord, I'm, I'm sure that there are some here right now they need to confess that and repent and look to you, knowing that you are, you are everything. Our satisfaction comes in knowing you as Lord and Savior, that you have the answers to life and godliness as we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I also pray for those who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, that today be the day of salvation and there would be a complete, complete, just a giving up of their lives to you. And that they would cry out and call upon the name of the Lord, knowing salvation this morning. Oh Lord, give them a new heart. May they acknowledge this morning that the old has passed away, the new has come. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. May they rejoice, Lord, in the fact that they belong to you, that they've been forgiven of all of their sins. And Lord, that their name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And they eternally belong to you. May they rejoice in their salvation this morning. So I thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for who you are. We praise you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.